Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Hey everybody, good morning and welcome. Uh, it is so good to have you. I'm so glad you're here. I love that you're here. Welcome those of you in our e-service, those of you who are tuning in online. Uh, welcome. All right, just so you know, this past Thursday, things were hopping here in this building with all the growth opportunities, meeting the kids' uh, ministry going on, and then we kicked off our first Thursday night worship service. Uh, it was great. Uh, don't forget, if you have friends or neighbors or coworkers that, that can't come to church on Sunday, you can now invite them for Thursday night. It really was uh, an amazing night together. And this morning is going to be great. We're going to be celebrating baptism in all of our services, and we love baptism. It's one of the times where we get to celebrate with people as they go public with their relationship with Jesus. So it's going to be good. We're also kicking off a new series this morning. Uh, we're going to spend 10 weeks in the book of Galatians. Uh, we've actually uh, made up these cards, a pack of these cards for everybody. Make sure you, you grab these on the way out. We're calling them anchor cards. We feel like this series is going to be really, really important uh, for our church, for all of us. And these cards are a way to help take the truth that you learn each week and drive it a little deeper. And this way it works. There are nine cards. So between this Sunday and next Sunday, all we want you to do is read card one over and over again. Uh, each card is a passage from Galatians. They're designed to kind of put you right smack dab in the middle of God's love and God's grace. So uh, our great desire is for you to even memorize the cards, even if you've never done anything like this before. It'll be worth it. So don't miss. Uh, grab one of these uh, packs on the way out. All right, so Galatians uh, is a letter written by Paul to a group of churches in a region called Galatia. It's not a, a very long letter, six chapters. If you were to sit down and read it all in one sitting, it might take you 15 minutes. Uh, we're going to take 10 weeks to work our way through uh, this great book. All right, so if you have your Bibles, 
Uh, go ahead and open them to Galatians chapter 1. Listen, if you have a smartphone, you can download a Bible for free, so all you need is your smartphone. If you're going to use one of our Bibles in the pew in front of you here in the sanctuary or over in the back of East Hall, it's on page 913, page 913. And listen, don't ever let the Bible intimidate you. Like when somebody tells you to turn to a particular book, you don't know where the book is. There's always a table of contents uh, in every, every Bible. Just use that. And then if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. You can just go by the Next Steps area, and they will give you a Bible. All right, we're going to cover the first 10 verses of chapter 1. And we had those verses read to us, and I hope you noticed how mad Paul is. He is ticked. I mean, he is fired up, right? Which is unusual for Paul because uh, usually, yeah, he's pretty calm. No matter what's going on in a church where he's writing a letter, he almost always starts with affirmation, right? Then he warms up and then he will correct whatever the error is. Even with uh, the church in Corinth, you know, where he wrote First and Second Corinthians. Church in Corinth was a mess. They were a mess. I mean, they, they were, one of their problems was they were getting drunk uh, during communion, right? Partying during communion, getting drunk. They are the ones who we have to thank for these little tiny cups, right? So they're getting drunk at communion, and this is the way Paul starts that letter. He says this, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ." It's amazing. Super nice. Uh, like, but with Galatians, he doesn't start with any of that affirmation. Right? He comes right out of the gate with like a flamethrower. And the question is, why? And the answer is the gospel. The gospel. He mentions uh, the gospel four times in these 10 verses. You mess with the gospel, you're messing with the very heart of Christianity. It's the difference between hell and heaven. What's interesting is that Paul is talking, these Galatians are Christians. They know the gospel. They had received the gospel. They had received grace. Grace is the great healer of the human soul. Grace is the great healer of the human soul. But one thing you need to know about grace, and I want you to go ahead and put this in your head right now. A good definition of grace is this. Grace is something for nothing. Grace is something for nothing. No matter how small the anything is you add to it, if you, have, if you have something for just a little tiny bit of anything, it's no longer grace. Grace is something for nothing. And what was happening to the Galatians is that grace was kind of draining out of them, leaking out of them. It's easier than you might think. Right? It happens to Christians all the time. That's why Uh, Christians can be the most dislikable people on the whole planet, right? We can be condescending. We can be judgmental, critical. uh, We can be arrogant. We can be downright mean. And the reason we get like that 
is because grace leaks. And I know, I know you think that grace is not leaking out of you, and I think grace is not leaking out of me, and the Galatians thought grace was not leaking out of them. But it does. Would you do this for me as a favor just for these 10 weeks? Let's all assume that grace may be leaking out of us. And our goal in these 10 weeks is to fill back up with grace. And if you are full of grace, then we will top you off in these 10 weeks. All right? In these 10 verses, Paul actually gives us a summary of what he's going to cover in the whole rest of his letter. And these are the three points that I want to pull out of this passage. If you are a note taker, you can write these down or if you just want to know where I'm going. Uh, Paul starts out by telling us where the gospel comes from, what the gospel is, and how we mess it up. Where it comes from, what it is, and how we mess it up. First, where it comes from. This is verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Here's a question. How do you know what you know? Okay, here's a better question. How do you know what you think you know? You know, we've all uh, heard kind of the, the joke, hey, if you read it on the internet, it must be true. You know, we know that stories on the internet sometimes are, are dubious at best, but it's so hard not to believe them and pass them on. And we've probably all passed on things that were not true. So how do you know what you know? The official word for that is epistemology. That's the official word. But whenever uh, someone is you know, finding spiritual knowledge, they usually go to uh, one of three sources. The first source that people go to to find spiritual truth is inside. They go to their own conscience. I call this uh, Jiminy Cricket <laughs> spirituality. Jiminy Cricket was the character in Pinocchio sang the song, Let Your Conscience Be Your Guide, which is fine, except that serial killers use the same, like, little motto. Your conscience is a terrible guide to determine what's right and wrong, or what's true or untrue. If you come to this church any length of time, you will hear me or Pastor Zach say to you, one of the ways that you should know whether the God that you are worshiping is the true God or a made-up God, you have to ask yourself, is, is this God correcting you? Does God ever challenge you? Does God, does God ever say that you are wrong? If God never challenges you, never corrects you, chances are you have a made-up God. Every once in a while, before communion, I will say, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, before you take communion, I want you to ask Jesus two questions. Ask him, is there anything I'm doing that you want me to stop doing? And then ask him, is there anything that I'm not doing that you want me to start doing? And if Jesus never says anything to you, chances are you're letting your conscience be your guide. And it happens to Christians all the time. I can't tell you how many times in the last, in the 40 years of my ministry, where people have come into my office and said, listen, I know that the Bible says this is wrong, but I'm going to do it because I prayed about it. And I, I'm sure that God wants me to be happy. All right? It's the wrong source. That's one source that people use for spirituality. 
The second source is what they've always been told, tradition from other people. This is what Paul says. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. He says, this didn't come from somebody else. It's not church tradition. It's not what somebody always has taught. And then he says, this is where it came from. This is the third source. He says, the gospel came from Jesus. It came directly from Jesus. He says it here in verse 1. He says it again in verse 12, where he says, For I did not receive this from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul says that he saw the resurrected Jesus, and that's where the gospel came from. Listen, you should know the gospel is different than anything the world has ever known. I told you a few weeks ago I was in Benin, West Africa, and I went to a little village in Benin, and a church had just been planted there six months before. It was the first time anybody became a Christian in that little village. So I went to a worship service. There were about 40 or 50 of us under a Nipa hut worshiping Jesus about 50 feet away. There was a, a cement trough by a, a twisted tree where they would make sacrifices to demons, and it struck me. Every other God, every other religion demands that we sacrifice everything. Only Christianity teaches that God sacrificed for us. That's the gospel. And what Paul says, you can have confidence because the source of the gospel is Jesus himself, who met with Paul and told Paul, take this down. Take this down. All right. That's where the gospel comes from. The next question is what the gospel is, what the gospel is. Uh, he actually tell, answers three things. He says uh, what it is, uh, how it works, and why it happens. Uh, what it is, why it work, or how it works, and why it happens. This is what he says, beginning in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. What the gospel is, is that is captured in that single word, deliver, to deliver us. That word is the word rescue. And I love the word rescue. Because it means that Jesus is not just our teacher, he's our hero. Listen, if you have kids and you're teaching a small child to swim, and they're just learning how, but they're, they're getting it a little bit. You can stand on the side of the pool and you can shout instructions to them. You can say, hey, keep kicking your legs. You're doing good. You're doing good. Use your arm. Do it. You're doing great. You're doing great. They start to drown. You jump in. Christianity is the only religion in the world that says that God jumped in. Every other religion in the world says that you stand on the side of the pool, you shout instructions, do this, follow this path, do this, and you will be saved. Only Christianity says that Jesus dove in to save us. Christianity has the most pessimistic view of humanity, but the most amazing view of God. Christianity says that you cannot make it on your own, that you are dead in the water, you are drowning, that you need a savior. But Christianity teaches that you have one, and his name is Jesus. That's what the gospel is. And this is how it happens. 
in verse 4, it says, who gave himself for our sins. That word for means on behalf of our sins. Jesus didn't die in some general way for your sins. He died in your place. You will hear it said over and over again here at CCC that Jesus lived in your place and died in your place and resurrected. That Jesus paid the price for you. That he was in exchange for you. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. That God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right? That's how it happens. And then finally, why it happens. And this is really important. This is verse 4 and 5. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. What Paul says is the reason that Jesus dives in to save you, to save me, is for the glory of God. This is why that's so important. Remember I told you, grace is something for nothing. Something for nothing. Every once in a while, my wife Karen and I will be out to dinner, just the two of us, and then uh, the server will come over and say, hey, just want you to know your bill's been taken care of. Somebody paid your bill. And it's always just um, a great thing. Uh, if you are one of the people that has done that for us, uh, I just want to say thanks. It, it, make, it made our night. It's awesome. If you have not done it and you want to do it, I can tell you <laughs> where we're going to be for dinner. But what happens when the server does that, my wife and I will look at each other and rightly or wrongly, we assume that the person who did that did that because we did something, however small, for them. Right? Remember what I said. Grace is something for nothing. And if you add even the smallest anything, it's no longer grace. But when somebody pays our bill and we assume that, we feel doubly good. One, somebody paid our bill. But the other is we look at each other and we feel better about ourselves. And it's so easy to do with Jesus. To say, oh, it's great that Jesus died for us. And we look at ourselves and we think, oh, it's because, you know, we serve in this way or we have given in this way or we have given ourselves to him or we did this for him. And that leads me to how we mess it up, how we mess up the gospel. Beginning of verse 6, this is what Paul says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. This is where Paul pulls out the flamethrower, right? Oh, it's interesting, by the way, that he should say, even if an angel appears to you 
and gives you a gospel contrary to this. I say that's interesting because both Islam and Mormonism claim that an angel appeared and gave a gospel different than this gospel. All right? Paul says, let him be accursed. And this is why he, he uses this word uh, in verse 7. There are some who, want, who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. That word distort doesn't mean they changed it a little bit. It's really the word for reverse. They make the gospel into the anti-gospel. That they take it and reverse it. There's an order to the gospel. There's an order, right? First you get grace, then you get good. You don't get good and then get grace. That's the reverse. That's an anti-gospel. And let me just, it's so easy to have happen. This way it happens. Remember I told you that grace is the great healer of the human soul? I want you to think of your soul as having uh, 10,000 wounds in your soul from uh, things that people have done to you, things that people have, words that people have spoken to you, things that you have done to other people wounds you, things that you have said about other people or to other people. Your soul is just a mess, and the only thing that can heal the human soul is grace. Teaspoon by teaspoon of grace. Right? And if you could imagine, if I could take grace, like a teaspoon of grace, and pour it on just one part of your soul, that one part of your soul would be whole, would be healed. If you ever get enough grace in you, you will become the person you were intended to be, and one day that will happen in heaven. But that's the way grace works. It makes you more into the person that you were intended to be. And this is what happens. When you first understand the gospel, that God demonstrates his love towards you and that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you, that Jesus is not just your teacher, but your hero, and you receive that grace, it is overwhelming, and you will be changed. It's transformative. You will overnight, when you really get grace, overnight you'll become more the person that God intended you to be. You become better, right? And then the danger begins. Because the more healed you become, the better person you become, the easier it is to be in a restaurant like I do with my wife, Karen. The Galatians found themselves in the restaurant and they knew that God had changed them and they find that they, they remind themselves that Jesus died for them and all of a sudden they're feeling doubly good. One, that Jesus died for them, but the other is that they're good people and that's the worst kind of Christian. Can I tell you that? That's when we become arrogant. We become, we're, the, we're the kind of people that say, we are sure we're being saved and we're sure we're being saved because we're better than you and we're right and you're wrong. Right? This is the thing. I know you probably don't think that grace is leaking out, but I want you to just be thinking this 10 weeks that maybe it is. For me, it's on a daily basis. I can tell whether I am filled with grace by how critical I am, how uh, grateful or ungrateful I am, how generous I am, whatever it is. Listen, I want you to know 
Paul begins this letter by saying, this is why you can have confidence in the gospel. It comes from Jesus. This is what the gospel is. It is rescue. It is Jesus on your behalf, taking your punishment, right? But it's for the glory of God. And the way we mess it up is we reverse the order, right? Because grace is something for nothing. Grace is what you need. Grace is what Jesus has given you. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, uh, we come to you. And uh, I am so grateful. I'm grateful that you gave us Jesus, not just as a teacher, but as a hero. That you weren't content to walk along the side of the pool and shout instructions to us, but instead you sent Jesus to dive in to rescue us. I also know how easy it is for grace to leak out, for me to begin to think that I have done something that deserved what you've done for me. I pray for all of us. I pray that you would help us return to grace. In these 10 weeks, fill us up to the brim. Make us more into the people you made us to be. But I pray that that will happen through the grace of Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.